Thursday Finance, Barry Preston joining me, Jan Klein. And today we'll take a look at what commodities are doing. We'll have a look at some company reports as well. And we'll be joined by noted journalist Terry McCran. He'll bring us up to date on the state of our economy and the world's economy. Thursday Finance has come around. Barry Preston, we're looking at all things financial today. And, well, the Reserve Bank of Australia is always a good place to start. They've <laughs> left interest rates unchanged for quite a long time. Are they changing anything else? Well, they're not changed. They haven't said yes or no, but certainly uh, Glenn Stevens, the... Uh, uh, the governor of the Reserve Bank, Glenn Stevens, the governor, said that he is noting that housing investment loans were growing rapidly in Melbourne and Sydney. Now, if that's the case, I thought the Reserve Bank might act f- quicker than uh, probably taking a lot more time to decide because if they're rapidly increasing, that you know that's, they're going ahead. So what's uh, happened in New Zealand? Um, in New Zealand, they've... Uh, The central bank over there has brought in new lending limits designed to contain runaway housing prices. No more than 10% of home loans there can be issued to borrowers who have less than 20% deposit. So that's one way. But then again, one of the biggest challenges I think the Reserve Bank or lenders face and people who are wanting to buy a home to live in is negative gearing. And that's starting to raise its head at the moment. Everyone loves negative gearing, of course, because you can uh, take uh, take the interest off your tax, where I believe in America, if you live in a house, you can take the interest off tax, I believe. But we... We have the pants on the wrong, the shoe on the wrong foot over here. We do it for investment. It might have been okay many, many years ago, uh, like pension, the age of pensions. Uh, once upon a time when they brought them in, the average uh, death age, I think, was about 70. Now it's in the 80s, so people so have to expect changes. there could be mm. some changes to the rules as far as the way you sort your finance out for... Well, the way you borrow money to buy a house, mm. because the prices are just getting out of hand. When I say getting out of hand, everyone says, oh, they're not out of hand, but... Uh, Mm, they've gone up too quickly and asset risk is there. Whether it's a bubble or not, I'm not too sure. So the Reserve Bank is Mm. looking at it. They're looking at it. Yeah, Mm. they're they're probably what we call them, Mr Mirror, looking into (laughs) it. Fair enough. And what uh, what about commodities? How are we going with those? Let's quickly have a look at our commodities uh, because uh, I'd like to take the place of Henry Jennings today and do a little bit of a talk about some of the profits. Gold is down $17 Australian for the week to 1393 or 1393 equivalent to 1,294. American silver, very little change, $20.98 per ounce. Copper is up $159 for the week to 7,575 Australian. Nickel ahead, $452 or 2.2% to 20,313. And tin, $61 above last week's price to 2,491. Our currency, apart from the euro and the Canadian dollar, we have weakened. In other words, we would buy less American dollars. It's 92 point, sorry, yeah, 92.8 cents to an Australian dollar at the moment. The British pound pence, 55.9 to the Australian dollar. The Chinese yuan renminbi, it's down also, $5.70, meaning you would have to pay more to buy one of those. And the same for New Zealand. We're down slightly there. You would get 109.5 New Zealand cents for the Australian dollar. The euro, you would get just slightly more, 70 euro cents. And Canada, 101.9. Well, last week, Canada was 101.5. Very little in one dollar, but when you're dealing in bigger amounts, it, it 
can be. And Jane, if you packed your bags and head, headed off to Taiwan, you would probably get 27.88 Taiwanese new dollars. I don't know what you'd do with the old ones, but... <laughs> They keep changing these things, don't Take they? Take them to the bank and change them. <laughs> and as far as our markets are concerned, we are ahead for the week 2.16% or 122 points to 5,629, and the market is up again today. The US Dow, 328 points or one point. Nine, just under 2%, to 16,979. The NASDAQ, 92 points, ahead to... 2% to 4,526. And the UK market, it's 2% ahead to 6,755. The Japanese market, it's up also 1.58% to 15,454. And the Hang Seng, 269 points or 1% to 25,159. And of course, the oil the price <laughs> the is weaker, oil. yet it doesn't look that at the Bowser, strange as it may seem. I don't know how they calculate that. There must be somebody in there making mistakes. I could be wrong. But the New Zealand, sorry, the Newcastle oil, 153.2 cents a litre. That's down 0.005 of a cent. And the Central Coast is up 1.2 cents to 156.4. Must be more expensive to cart it from Sydney to the Central Coast. Than up no, here. I, mm. no, I don't know. I don't understand that. And their diesel, Newcastle, 156.7, down 0.4 of one cent. And the Central Coast, 156.9. That's ahead 0.005 of one cent. The poor old Sydneyites, their petrol has gone up on average 8.3 cents a litre to 147.5. And their diesel, fairly stable at 152.3. And, of course, we look at Grafton and Orange. We like Basically the same, 148 for unleaded mm-hmm. and 149 in orange for unleaded. How they get it out there for that cheap? They must have sky hooks or something or birds <laughs> that get it out there. Thursday, finance and today, Barry Preston, we're looking at companies. Of course we are, <clears throat> as we normally do. However, we don't have our uh, general man here, Henry. We're going to do it ourselves today. Comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice. And a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard and Partners, Proprietor Limited, may hold or trade shares in companies mentioned on this program. Our financial services licence is 246712. Now, it is company reporting season, and that's it's when we look back, or they look back, at the last six months, I suppose. In full swing. And mm. uh, let's take a look at some of them. And Fantastic. Start off with Hills Industries. Now, now, what do they do, first of all? Well, first of all, Hills Industries manufactures uh, construction materials, home security, electronics, consumer products. And once upon a time, they used to have that rotary clothesline that the kids used the to swing on and break. Hoist. Remember that? <laughs> well, they've turned um, a, a loss of $94.1 million, That was, we're looking at comparable to, uh, times last year, 2013, into a profit of 24.8, which is a $118 million turnaround. And their fully frank dividend of 3.6 cents is different to what it was last year of 3.25. So good on Hills. <clears throat> Pardon me, they're turning their... Uh, That's market. a huge turnaround, isn't it? It is, most certainly. Do I didn't why? do it in percentages. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well done, Hills Industries. What about APA Group? Australia, APA, Australian Pipeline Authority, that's I think it's short for. But okay, pipelines they, across <clears> the country. Yeah? They transport gas, and I think they've got approximately 14,100 kilometres of high-pressure pipelines, and it has an interest in wind farms also, and gas storage, and it transports half of Australia's natural natural gas and manages 
another 25,000 kilometres of uh, <coughs> gas distribution. It's Australia's largest gas infrastructure business. Now, they've turned a profit of uh, $343.7 million, up from 295 from the comparable period last year. That's about 16% ahead. And their dividend is slightly ahead, 18.75 cents versus 18.5 cents last year. That one's not fully franked, where Hills is fully franked. Right. Uh, changing tack just a little bit, uh, InvoCare is another one. Something now, to do. a lot of people don't know what InvoCare does. It operates funeral homes, cemeteries and crematoria throughout Australia. They've uh, slightly down. Um, they had a profit last uh, comparable period in 2013 of $21.4 $20.8 this year. Their dividend is slightly down from 19.6 cents to 19 cents. Now, that was only a 3% uh, drop or $600,000, which is fairly stable. So yeah. that's generally a, <coughs> generally, a, a tick. Yeah. A tick. For oh, absolutely, this. Yes. Okay. Um, and now for people who are alive, perhaps primary <laughs> health care. Australian health care company uh, providing a range of medical services ranging in pathology, diagnostic imaging. Um, they're up about 8% to 162.5 from 150.1 million uh, corresponding period. Their dividend is up two cents from uh, a fully frank dividend of nine cents in uh, 2013 to 11 cents. So anyone having those shares, you're getting a two cent jump. Now that might not sound much when people say only two cents, but a lot of people have 10 or 15,000 shares. And with a fully frank dividend, if you compare them to bank interest, you are way ahead because bank interest at the moment is below inflation in some aspects. Mm. Mm. So money is being eaten away by inflation there. So another healthcare uh, company is Sonic Healthcare. It's similar to primary healthcare, but uh, also operates internationally. It uh, is up about 15% on its profit from $335 million to $384.9 million. Their dividend is ahead by $0.03 cents from $0.37 cents to $0.40, cents, but they're only 55% franked. In other words, some of the money that they make overseas, not they don't pay tax on in, in this country. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. And a name that's well known to, I would say, everybody, Dick Smith. Probably the name that Woolworths would not like to hear because they took, well, uh, they took Dick Smith over once upon a time. I th- I'm not sure how much they paid, but then they sold it at a huge loss. And now it's uh, powering ahead. So obviously management there at Woolworths may not be uh, uh, top. Well, in that Mm. respect, anyway. Consumer Electrics in retail and other small operations, this is their maiden dividend of $42.1 and they're paying an $0.08 dividend, which is not fully franked. And Stockland Group? Stockland. This, of course, a lot of people know about Stockland, a diversified property group. They've got 41 shopping centres throughout Australia. They also do residential property development, also industrial, and they also own a lot of office uh, buildings. They've uh, gone from $105 million to $527 million. Now, that's a big jump. However, that $105 million had a special uh, write-down of $355 million. So in actual fact, when you look at it, it's, uh, it's still up, but not as much as from 105 to $500 Uh Their dividend is exactly the same, $0.12, cents, $0.12, cents, no franc. Thursday Finance on 2NURFM, it's 25 to 1.
and Barry Preston just ahead of crossing to Terry McCran. Uh, a name, another company that started off in this area, Toll, is a well-known name. The Toll Group has expanded well beyond here, though, hasn't it? Very much so. I think it took over also a company called IPEG, International Parcel Express Company. But Toll Group, uh, Integrated Logistics Group in Australia, Asia, Japan, it's a seamless supply chain of freight and transport. Now, they had a 219.6% jump from 91 million to 293 million. And I would assume the dividend would have jumped, but it's only gone up half a cent from 14.5 to 15 cents. However, that's great. Companies that, are, that do make profits are strong and uh, it's great for the economy. Okay, well, here we go. Terry McCran, one of Australia's best-known journalists and uh, political commentators. Uh, We have him. And, Terry, is it raining down there? (laughs) Good afternoon, Barry. Good afternoon, your listeners. No, it's a a nice sunny day. Uh, Well, it doesn't always rain in Melbourne. We have your rain up here, but it's wanted, of course. We, uh, We like some rain. Terry, so long since any rate movement, RBA seems to be stuck with a relative stable Australian dollar. But building approvals are not that flash. Unemployment is rising, I think, 6%, and inflation is on the high side. In actual fact, I think those figures are worse than the USA and UK. Now, what's happening? And retail spending's a bit uh, slack. Well, I guess the best way to sum it up, Barry, is the glass half full and the glass is also half empty. Ah. Uh, Glenn Stevens, the RBA governor, used that phrase some time ago. Um, it, things are sort of not as great as we'd want them to be when you look at those individual things, but they're not, they're not that bad either. Uh, yes, our unemployment rate narrowly is now higher than the US, but it's always difficult when you make these international comparisons uh, because they're things like the participation rate, how many people are looking for work. I mean, in America, a lot of people, much more than in Australia, dropped out of the workforce because things got so bad. So... I think generally, and I was just talking to somebody this morning, a senior business leader, saying that the economy is in better shape than I think people, the rhetoric and the sort of mood. Uh, The basic economy is still pretty good. It could be better, but it's still pretty good. A question, Uh, and I've seen some writing on this. The big four banks cut home lending rates as well as deposit rates. Now, could this be undermining the role of the Reserve Bank? Well, it comes back to our big question, Barry. The Reserve Bank, I mean, resisted calls from people last year to cut interest rates even more, and the banks have, in fact, done it for it. Um, But it's equally resisted calls for people to say, oh, look, inflation's a threat. You better start putting up rates. And I think the Reserve Bank has called it right that given this uncertainty and given the sort of middling situation, uh, it should leave its official rate unchanged, and that's basically what it's intended to do until we get a clearer picture one way or the other. But it's not uncomfortable if the banks themselves are cutting rates, i.e. they're chasing business. Uh, they, you know, they want to get their money out and they want to raise money. So uh, having said that, um, if you look at the bank numbers, they've probably cut their deposit rates a little more than they've cut their lending rates. So the banks have... Uh, have picked up a bit of benefit in that process and the customers have paid paid a higher price, either you know, the, primarily the deposit. So in actual fact, the banks have said, we're not going to give away as much, but we're going to take a little bit more, but not necessarily exactly. in that. <laughs> exactly. and, and the Reserve Bank, I think uh, Glenn Stevens, the governor of the Reserve Bank, did say that, yes, borrow, uh, the uh, people who are living off income are suffering, but borrowers well, must very be... very important, Barry, you might raise that, because he, you know, he's, some people would like him to cut rates and cut cut rates again, but he's conscious of the fact 
as you say, that people, a lot of people rely on those deposit rates. Very much and so. And if you have the Reserve Bank cutting and you also have the banks cutting in addition to that, uh, we don't want to be in the situation where in America you, you're lucky to get half a percent on your on your deposit money. And the big danger here is, of course, self-retired fund uh, people or people who are living off interest see it dropping and dropping, and it's getting close to uh, being under the inflation rate. They're going to take a risk with higher risk assets, which is not too Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Mm. Exactly, up your territory. Now, negative gearing in this market, is it a positive or are we just adding fuel to a property market that a lot of commentators and analysts are saying that it is overheated? I think all that's true, Barry, but it's a guess of, you know, what's what's worse? Uh, If you try to get rid of negative gearing, you would cause so much disruption. Uh, But you're right, it is feeding into the market combined with those low interest rates. And uh, people want to go out there and borrow and buy, probably buy an investment property. So I don't think we can, the, the Whitlam government, not the Whitlam government, the Hawke government tried to do away with negative gearing in the 80s, but it caused so much disruption that they brought it back. And of course, we've, we're 20 years, 25 years down the track, we've got far more investment in property. So I think it really would be a dramatically traumatic event if they try to reduce it. So I think we've got to live with it. But as you're, you know, the bottom line is it is adding to the demand in the property market. It is. And by getting rid of it, you wouldn't want to cut it out overnight. It would be just horrendous. But if you slowly exactly. brought it back, say, a 5%, a 5%, a 5%. And anyway, we, we might look at that later. But, uh, well, I think, I think that's a legitimate argument. And But, you know, the property is property, one of the – positive things happening in the economy at the moment, even re- even new property building, um, you know, it's not as good as we want it to be, but it's, it has picked up, so we want to be very careful about interfering with that. The budget, now, <laughs> we see that a lot. Once the centre of a government's policy now seems like a, a dog's breakfast or, or watching a tennis match, backwards and forwards, could more delay have a damaging effect on our economy? I mean, it's, it's certainly affecting poor company uh, attitudes and uh, consumer confidence. I think that's right, Barry. Um, I think, you know, two things tell you that both the politics and the economy tell you that the government really should get it done. I don't might mean by that, um, that uh, you know, get, get all their measures passed because that's not going to happen. I think they really need to draw an end, both from the, poli- for the politics and the economy, to all this finagling and, and you know, tension and uh, carrying on in Canberra. So get the budget, you know, accept that you're not going to get all these things through. Maybe you can get get them through in a in a uh, reduced form, but let's time to move on. And, and we, the business in particular, but also consumers, wants clarity and wants you know things to be done so they can plan effectively for the future. So the message to Canberra, to government, to Joe Hockey and Tony Abbott is: draw a line, you know, move on. It's time to move on. I think so. We're talking to Terry McCran, one of Australia's best-known journalists and financial commentators, and we'll be back in a moment to look at some things regarding wage awards and chasing higher wages. And to our new RFM's Thursday Finance, Barry Preston, getting the good oil from Terry McCran at the moment. I know, and he's sitting in that lovely sun on down at Melbourne. Terry, the number of wage awards and their complexity seems to be a detrimental to job creation. Or I, well, exactly right, but it's this is I think this is the central thing that we really need to reform, both in the interest of the broader economy and indeed in the interest of workers, to get rid of the complexity, to get to get simplicity in wages, uh, so there's a much more direct link between success.
success for a business and a higher wages for the workers and higher and you know, higher skilled wages for jobs and and um, um, higher returns for both what both the employer and the employee. Uh, but we've been beating our heads around the subject now for the last thirty years, Barry. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not uh, I'm not at all optimistic we're going to make progress. It's very much for them and us. You know, it's, it's the confrontation is the is the central problem in all this. But a lot of common sense to me is that we chase chase higher wages, so employers then seek technology to replace the worker exactly. with less jobs exactly. to look exactly. uh, just have a look at the stores at the moment the big uh, superstores uh, the supermarkets they're putting in uh, uh, one of those uh, what are they self serve things on I mean, for goodness sure. sake and but i believe a lot, that, a lot of that a lot of that makes sense Barry for the worker i.e. you take away the the, the, the very basic job the very uh, you know unrewarding job so that you can create uh, so those workers can be redeployed in much more productive work and, and, and ultimately higher paying work. So technology has been the great, uh, the great creator of our living standards over, the, over hundreds of years. So I think you've got to be careful about just thinking of it as machines replacing people. It's machines freeing people, or it should be freeing people to do better, uh, more rewarding, and both, both in terms of the jobs, the type of job, but also financially. Talking about uh, those sort of things, uh, jobs. Now, the renewable energy target, the RET as they call it, uh, reports indicate that if this is cut, then it could have some detrimental effect on jobs. How do you see that? Well, I think it absolutely should be cut uh, because we're talking about energy which doesn't make any sense. It's totally subsidised. It doesn't work. Uh, You just need to look out your window and see those windmills when they're not turning. And those jobs that are created, so-called, by this process are totally fake jobs. Uh, they rely on the taxpayer and the, the consumers of uh, the electricity paying ridiculous... The taxpayer paying huge subsidies and the consumers of electricity paying, uh, paying unnecessarily high prices. So, yes, you might narrowly get some jobs created in the wind industry, uh, but at the cost of destroying so many other jobs, real jobs, outside the wind industry. So... Yes, it should be reduced. I'd like to see it go entirely because I think all those all those alternative wind uh, energy sources are complete nonsense. Uh, but at the very least, I would hope that we re- we reduce the, pe- the pain and the penalty on ordinary Australians from having to buy that buy those uh, very expensive forms of energy. I probably shouldn't say this, but you were talking about the wind industry. I think Canberra's got a lot of wind industry at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> I shouldn't have said well, that. Well, why, why do we need windmills when we can just harness the, the wind uh, <laughs> more directly? You reckon put a big umbrella over that sort of thing? Yeah. We speak of this uh, from time to time, red tape. Now, look, it's getting worse to the point of stupidity. It seems no one in power is game to tackle it. Maybe a stint as a worker may help. Uh, well, maybe as a worker, but maybe also as an employer. I mean, I, uh, I, I presume many of your listeners run small businesses, and yeah. I, I, they are the heroes to me in our in our society. I'm just staggered at the, the ability of somebody to go out and, and, and a run a business, and but, but spend probably as much time dealing with all the bureaucracy and the red tape and the regulations. And I don't know how they survive that, both in a business sense and just in a personal sense. So they are my heroes in our economy, small businesses in particular. Big businesses can deal with it. They can set up, they can set up uh, uh, groups in the business to deal with it. But for, the, for mum and dad 
or even um, uh, you know three or four people that come together to run a small business. I'm just staggered at and what we're imposing on them. And there's no sign of it getting any better, Barry. I mean, the uh. governments keep, keep coming in, both at the state level and the federal level, saying they're going to reduce red tape. And they probably start by appointing a red tape commission, <laughs> which, is, which is more red tape. <laughs> and it just gets worse. China. Stories once weeks, uh, they seem to surface every week. Uh, now they're coming through. China reports that uh, slowing of its property market. Any concern on this? Uh, it's a complex story out of China, Barry, and I don't think, you know, we they need to take the heat out of their property market just in the same way we have this discussion in Australia. Uh, it's probably worse in China because that's really the only secure way of saving in China. You don't really want to put your money in the bank. You don't want to give it to an institution that's controlled by the government. So that's why they so, 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 uh, so intensely uh, in buying, buying, the, buying all these properties, and also buying properties in other countries. Mm. Um, but it's uh, you know quite. This goes back to where we started the conversation, Barry. I don't think anybody really knows how the whole China thing is going to play out over the next six months to two years, and that's particularly why the Reserve Bank wants to sit there and watch and see how this develops. Whether you know the property market is part of that. Uh, whether they can going to continue to buy more and more of our iron ore and coal, all that's part of this mix, and uh, no one can really be sure how it's going to play out. Interesting. Now, another country, and uh, this will be our last question, Japan faces some big challenges. Now, they've got a huge debt. It's near impossible to comprehend. They've got an ageing population. The consumer confidence is low, and they've been printing money like it's going out of fashion, and nothing's happening. You've got all that. You know, just, just, just let me repeat that, Barry. Huge debt. Uh, you know, they make. If, if we had the same debt in Australia, we would have trillions of dollars of government debt, not not the few hundred billions that we've got. A population that's getting very old, as you say, low consumer confidence, and uh, they're trying to they're trying to force people to spend by printing money. All that's true, and it's not really having any effect. Um, for, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's not as important in our future as it used to be because China's taken over. Um, but um, you know, all that's true, and it's it's there again. There's no prospect of it uh, uh, um, changing. Terry, as we always say, interesting times ahead, and there've been interesting times ahead since time immemorial, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> On behalf of everyone at Two N U R F M in Newcastle, happy Newcastle! Thank you very much indeed for being a part of our program. Keep safe, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Barry, and all the best to your listeners. And Barry Preston, it's still Thursday finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners, and dividend payments are coming up at the moment. Anything we should be looking out for? Probably if people, not necessarily buying, but people, if people are selling, one of the things that they should be careful of if, is if they have a dividend reinvestment program and they're looking at selling, please ensure that you understand the uh, cumulative phase of, phase of dividend, the X phase of dividend and the book's closing and the payment of a dividend because if you sell your shares during the um, X dividend and the dividend payment, you're going to end up with a very, very small number of shares. And, of course, we have had uh, Share Gift Australia on the program telling us how you can get rid of those and donate them to charity. But please be careful if you are selling Ask the broker, what is a dividend fa- uh, program? How's that going? The danger, of course, is if you don't sell and say, oh, I'll wait till the dividend comes through, then there's a possibility the market could go down and you might get less. So it's a matter of making that decision. And don't ask your broker. He won't know. Nobody does because it's in the 
lap of the gods. Yeah, when that crystal ball gets developed, eh? That's, that's it. Well, I've smashed my somebody <laughs> smashed mine, and uh, exactly. probably my wife or something. But it was, well, it's all. It's all in the lap of the gods. That's Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Barry Preston. Thank you very much, everybody. Keep safe.